They look like they were having a good time today. How about one more hand for those guys? Awesome. Well, we're so glad that you guys are with us today, and we're continuing in our series, Love Your Neighbor. And we've been talking about that. And today we're going to talk about a very important topic that so many of us face. And sometimes we don't even realize it. We're going to talk about how to love the lonely. How to love lonely people. And lonely people doesn't necessarily mean that you're by yourself. There are some people who are alone in a room full of people. And so uh, as we look at this topic, we're going to talk about this idea and feeling and sense of loneliness. In Genesis chapter 2, as God was creating everything, he kept saying, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. But then there was a time in creation when God declared something not good. And the first thing that he declared not good was it's not good for man to be alone. So out of all these good things, the first thing God recognizes that was not good was loneliness or being alone. Adam noticed that everybody else had someone but him. And so God recognized that and he made woman, Eve, so that they could be complete and whole. And, uh, and when you think about loneliness, so many times uh, our minds go to maybe older adults, maybe it goes to widows, maybe widowers, maybe the homeless. But today I really think we need to broaden our scope when we're considering neighbors. And the real truth is that it's called relational poverty. There are some people who are relationally poor. They don't have friends. They don't have someone to call on. They don't have someone that's close to them, even though... They may be in a marriage, they may be in a relationship, they may be in a family full of people, they may be in a church full of people. And so, so the idea of relational poverty affects us more than we admit, and right here in St. Pete, we feel it. We can sit in this crowded room and feel absolutely invisible and alone, can't we? We can stay at home and feel absolutely alone. We can work around people, go to a place that you're rubbing shoulders with people and still feel totally alone. Many people don't even have a close friend, someone that they can call, someone that they can text, someone that they can connect with. Colleges are full of dorms where kids feel alone and by themselves. Successful business leaders at the top of their game say it's lonely at the top. Right? You can be in a, in, a, in a marriage and still feel like you're alone. So, so when you think about that, understanding financial poverty helps us translate to understand relational poverty. We understand what it means to be without food or without clothing. But when we, when we get to this, we start to understand that, that relational poverty is lacking a support system. That's why we promote so much small groups. That's why everybody always matters so much to us. Because everybody always, you're connected. You have people. That's why we promote our our ministry teams. It's together we make a difference and we feel like we're together. And people notice when you're not here. We miss you because you are missed. And so it's hard sometimes if you're not in a small group to be connected. It's hard if you're not in a ministry team. It's hard to, 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 to experience real community. But that means you have to let people in. And that's not always easy. Because people hurt people. And hurt people really hurt people. 
And people are messy. You are too. Me too. We're messy. I, I warned everybody, when you first met me, I would disappoint you at some point in your life. And then when you tell me I disappointed you, I said, I told you. No surprise here. I told you I was going to disappoint you. At some point, I said, this just in, you're going to be disappointed again. The same way you're going to disappoint me. Now, people don't like to hear that, though, do they? But see, lacking relationships, lacking intimacy, lacking those connections really helps us miss the meaning of life. We, we don't understand our full purpose until we understand because God said we're here to love God and love others as we love ourselves, right? So we'll never really know the true meaning of life until we give life away to other people in relationships, and so, so when you think about this, you, you, you start to understand that, 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 that there's more to it that meets the eye. Sometimes the questions that we have to ask is, is it a, luck, is it a lack of love? Do we just lack love or the ability to receive love? Because if it's hard for you to receive love, it's absolutely hard for you to give love away. And some people want to be loved, but they don't want to love back. That's not how love works. It, lacking empathy. Empathy, feeling what other people feel. Experiencing the pain that other people are feeling. I ask you to pray for the Smith family. You know Candace Smith, our, uh, our wonderful children's director, Candace and Dave. Uh, her grandmother passed um, uh, just, just yesterday. And I feel that pain for her. And I know our, our church family feels that pain for her. And we want to be present. And we've had others that are But the only way to, to really understand it is to feel the pain. And, and be present with people. Sit with them in their pain even though it's uncomfortable. Right? How about support? It's a way that we support people. When someone is having a surgery or someone's in the hospital, it means the world that someone shows up with a meal. Because as a, as a family, you're trying to run around. You're doing everything. You don't have time to prepare food. But then in comes someone who found out because maybe they were in a small group with you. Maybe they were on a ministry team with you. And they found out, oh my goodness, this person needs help. And they show up with a box of chicken and some tater salad. <laughs> Guess what? Mom's happy because the kids eat. Husband's happy because he didn't know what he was going to do. Right? It makes a difference. Just someone to listen to you. Someone to hear you. Sometimes it's nice to be heard, isn't it? Just to know somebody is listening. Not waiting to speak, but listening. You know how sometimes when you're talking to somebody, and you're trying to share their story, and they're so busy wanting to tell you about their story that they're missing yours? You know? You're trying to let it all out, and you're like, oh, that happened to me once. Mine's more important than yours. And you, they leave feeling better, but you don't. <laughs> like, man, I feel so much better after that. And all you got was more. Right? It's learning how to listen. And so why, why are more of us uh, dealing with emotional poverty? The first thing is the breakdown of the family. It's the breakdown of families. Maybe a divorce happened. Who gets the kids? 
Here's another one. Who gets the church family? When somebody divorces, who gets to stay? Who gets to go? Right? Who gets the friends? Now the friends have to choose, and they really can't say they were with you the other day, because if they're with you, then they're, not, they're on the other team, and now you can't like them either. Who gets the dog? Who gets the cat? Who wants the cat? I'm just kidding. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Don't send me any card. Rip your communication cards up right now. You may not. You know, cats lack emotional, <laughs> relational, because they only let you touch them when they want you to touch them. The rest of the time, they just look at you like, don't look at me. Okay, enough. Tear those cards up. My email is broke. Don't send me nothing. How about increased mobility? Another reason that we're not connecting is because we can go anywhere we want whenever we want. We go everywhere. Perhaps people don't stay in the same place very long. And it's hard when you jump from place to place to place. Military families understand that, don't you? When you move from place to place. Or people who used to live in the same community for generations now aren't in that community anymore. And they don't have those ties. Here's another reason, heavy workloads. We're all too busy. Wouldn't you agree? We're too busy. We're too busy to pray. We're too busy to be with family. We're too busy to make a living. Or we're so busy that we're making a living we forget to make a life. Struggles. The rise of social media is another reason. And that sounds weird because, oh, I got 1,300 friends. No, you don't. I didn't mean to break your bubble, and now I really want you to tear those communication cards up. But the truth is, they ain't your friend. I have seen people out that are my friend on Facebook and don't know me from Adam. I'm like, what? How are we friends? You collecting friends? But if you defriend them, they will know right away. You know, think about it. Social media is the leading cause of loneliness because we can hide behind this all day and never have interaction with anyone. Never have to talk. Never have to really communicate. We can just spew whatever we want to spew wherever we want to spew it. We see a snapshot of someone's life, right? And it's fake intimacy. If that sunset was so amazing, how'd you have time to take a picture of it? Enjoying great time with my family. No, you're not. You're on social media. Am I right or wrong? Best time ever at dinner with my sweetie. Your sweetie's looking at the top of your head. You want to really know if you have friends? When you, when you invite people over to dinner, have a, ba have a basket where it says all phones go in this basket. See how many people won't stay. Great time dinner with friends and everybody at the thing. <laughs> Let me take a picture of my food. Yum, yum. Hashtag mm-mm good. Hashtag put your phone down, fool. 
Anyway, I can do this all day. And then we have a great day based upon how many people liked or didn't like our post. Right? I only got 30 views on that. Nobody cares about me. I can't believe 30 people looked at what you put. And then if you just like it, well, if they like it, why didn't they post something? Hashtag sad. But that lack of connection and intimacy causes us to find our identity in something other than Christ. Something other than the people that God has blessed us with. And we have to connect. So how do we love the lonely? How do we, how do we love them? We have to see them through the eyes of God. We have to care for them the way Jesus cares for us. We need to pray for people. You know, if God brings somebody to mind, pray for them. If someone's sitting two seats down from you right now, you don't know if they're hurting or not, but if God puts them in your heart, pray for them. Someone at the office goes overlooked, maybe perhaps you notice it. Maybe you know a family member has lost someone dear. You call them. Do you want to go to lunch with me today? A teenage kid that's not fitting in. You hang out with them. Imagine that. Even if they say they don't want to, the truth is they do. They just kick and scream a little bit. But they say they know you love them. So you love with touch. That's the first thing. You love with touch. A man with leprosy came and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, if you're willing, make me clean. Now you have to understand that the lepers in those days had to literally go around screaming, unclean, unclean, unclean. So no one would get within a certain distance of them. They weren't used to experiencing touch. They weren't used to having human touch. And they would yell, unclean, unclean, unclean. And so one time, one had just enough courage, just enough courage. The same way somebody showed up here today in church hoping just enough courage for someone to love me, someone to see me, someone to experience, someone to know I'm here. And he said, Lord, if you're willing, if you're willing, make me clean, which means you have to touch me. And the Lord said, I am willing. And he touched him. Made him clean. How about us? Are we willing? Are we willing to go the extra mile to the people who maybe other people wouldn't? And that doesn't necessarily mean the poor. Some of the nastiest people in the world are well to do. It's true. Some of the prettiest people in the world are the ugliest people you'll ever meet. And they're hard to love. But if you leave leprosy untreated, within 10 years you die. It starts to fatigue and your joints begin to, 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 to swell up. And eventually you start to lose appendages. Your nose falls off, your, your fingers. All these things start to happen to you. And I know it sounds grotesque, but, but that's what's happening. Your face changes. You start to, it start, your, your, your vocal cords change. Your body's literally decomposing. And some of us are decomposing on the inside. Things are falling apart on the inside. And we just want to cry out, 
God, help me if you're willing. Church, if you're willing to love me, tell me you're willing to love me. Husband, if you're willing to love me. Wife, if you're willing to love me. Friend, if you're willing to love me. And somebody's got to say, I am willing. And so what's Jesus do? Jesus reached out his hand and he touched him. This is Matthew chapter 8, verse 3. He said, I am willing. Be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of leprosy. Think about it. The truth of the matter is Jesus really didn't have to touch him if he didn't want to. He's Jesus. He could just say, be clean and prevent from touching him. But Jesus touched him. He touched him. Reminds me of the movie Risen. I don't know if you guys have seen Risen. It was the story from the proconsul, the Roman proconsul's point of view. And, and they asked one of the disciples, they say, why do you follow this guy? Why do you follow? And there was this leper who was trying to steal a fish, and the people in the town were beating him with this stick. And, and Jesus, he runs over to the people, and he's like, stop. And he stops the people from doing it. And the leper's just, he's cowering, and you know, he's just beat up. And Jesus, he, he reaches down, and he, he grabs the fish, and he hands it to the man. And the disciple, he looks at the proconsul as they're looking and he says, that's why I follow him. That's why I follow him. And the coolest thing is the man, the leper who couldn't stand now stands as he walks away clean. He said, that's why we do it. Because Jesus touches people that no one else will touch. And what he was really communicating was Jesus touched me when no one else would. And so it was more than just the healing from disease, but he was finally being healed from all that rejection. Something about a loving touch that can change everything. You know, I wasn't a hugger before Jesus. I really wasn't a hugger. Now I'm a hugger. Y'all know it. Some of you on your first visit got hugged. Who's this weird guy hugging me? Right? And I love the people who don't know how to hug. They're like... You know what I mean? They, they do the, are we doing this? Or are we going here? Are we going here? Are we going here? Now, that's kind of weird, right? Right? But they know, everybody knows a hug like this, right? I ain't trying to hug like this, you know? Don't be hugging me like that. But you come in easy and you get those three pats, you know? You know what I'm talking about. But you know those people, they go, that man hugged me. What's going on here? Because maybe you just needed a hug. Some people ain't been hugged in forever. They felt untouchable, unlovable, unhuggable. Now, hashtag, I'm a hugger. I even warn people. I love this place because it might be the place, you, you know, some people in this place, this might be the only place you get hugged all week. So why not? Why not? Now, single people, don't, don't go crazy here. I've got my eye on you. All right. He said hug, especially the dudes. He said I should hug you, girl. I'm like, time out. You better be hugging like a brother-sister hug. You know what I'm saying? That better be the church hug, that side hug. But the truth is there's power in touch, isn't there? There's power in touch. 
Jesus understood this and He modeled for us in the worst case scenario. There, were no, there was no cure for leprosy. But there was. His name was Jesus. His name was Jesus. His name is Jesus. The second way that we love is we love by listening. We love by listening. Most people don't listen with intent to understand. Most people listen with intent to reply. I'm going to say that again because I think you need to write that down. Most people don't listen with intent to understand. They listen with intent to reply. Two guys are walking along. They're depressed. They're lonely. Their eternal hopes have just been dashed. And they come along and, and, and as they're walking, it's two men from Emmaus. And they're, as they're walking, they're talking about how Jesus is gone, man. It's over, man. He was the hope of the world. He's gone. They killed Him. It's done. No, no reason to keep moving. And, and Jesus asked them, but the Bible says He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still and their faces downcast. Now here's amazing. They, Jesus interrupts their conversation. They don't recognize him the same way sometimes when you come into church, you don't recognize the voice of the Savior yet. He's just wanting to talk to you. And so he asked, what, what's going on? What are you guys talking about? And, this, and their faces were downcast. And one of them named uh, Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that happened these days? Haven't you heard? The Savior's gone. The healer. The guy who touched lepers? Dead. The guy who fed the 5,000? Dead. They crucified him. They murdered him. It was horrendous. And then they threw him behind a stone in a borrowed tomb. You haven't heard that? What things? What things? Then Jesus starts to talk to them a little bit longer. And as He talks to them and He hears their pain and He hears their worries and He hears their concerns, finally they start to realize it's Jesus. And all of a sudden, hope starts to fill back up in their life. And all of a sudden, everything He said to be true is true and all of a sudden they go from downcast to uplifted because it was Jesus but I love the way Jesus just didn't say what's up dudes it's Jesus right he didn't like make the big reveal right he let them talk for a minute be sad you know cry a minute be sad it's okay you can be in church you're allowed to cry here too do however you want but then eventually Jesus, after he hears your pain, he reveals himself. And all your worries and all your cares and all your cares, they go away because everything you're worried about turns out he was the answer to. And you imagine the rest of the conversation must have been, these guys ain't going to believe this. All of Jerusalem, he said, you haven't heard? Now they're going to go back and say, y'all, I got a story that I have to tell you. You know the story you first heard? That was just a comma. There was not a period at the end of that story. You see, the truth of the matter is when people are talking, be interested. Stop worrying about being interesting. 
Be interested. We need to stop worrying about being interesting. One of the best tools that I've learned is to ask questions. I ask a lot of questions. If you've ever talked to me, you know I ask a lot of questions because I want to know. I believe that's how a great conversation goes. Those are the best conversations. Always talk, always, always help others to open up and they listen and they use the power of quietness, not as a weapon, but as an opportunity. And when that pause happens, then they can share for a moment, reflect. You know, a lot of times one of the great things you can do is repeat back to somebody what they said so you know that they actually heard, right? They know that you heard them. Or maybe you misunderstood and then they're saying, no, 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 I wasn't saying that. What I was saying was then you're able to get a clear idea. Tell me your story. I'd love to hear more. How can I pray for you? Pastor Earl Banning was a mentor of mine and a great friend, and he was a master of listening. He would sit down and he would look at you right in your eyes. He would take the Bible, he would open it, and he'd say, what's going on, young man? He'd sit there and he'd listen intently, and he'd be looking and engaging. And then when I finished, he'd say, well, let's see what the Word of God has to say about that. He'd sit there. He was another great man. When I called him, the first thing he would always say is, it's good to hear your voice. It's the first thing he would say. I call, hey, Pastor Earl. He said, oh, Mike, it's so good to hear your voice. You know how that makes you feel? Doesn't that make you feel good inside? Somebody just said, it's good to hear your voice. It's good to see your face. It makes a difference, doesn't it? Sometimes people don't want you to fix them. They just want to be heard. And this just in, you can't fix them. Only God can. They just simply want to know that you understand and you care, and that happens through listening. And then finally, we love with time. We love with time. Jesus was always going somewhere, but he was never rushed. He was always going somewhere, but he was never in a rush. He's gone from here to there, and somebody, most of his ministry happened when he was on his way somewhere. After this, Jesus and his disciples went out to the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them and and he was baptizing them. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, and there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law and the Pharisees saw him eating with with sinners and tax collectors, they asked, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Notice, Jesus was going to baptize. He took time for his disciples, and he spent time with them. Then he goes to this place, the house, and the accusation is he hangs out with sinners and tax collectors, but he also hangs out with Pharisees because he was at one of their houses. Spending time. You know, I think one of my biggest regrets... Uh, that I've had in my life uh, was my brother and I, uh, you guys know I lost him seven years ago. Actually, this month will be his birthday. And one of the things that I truly still regret, and and God helps me regularly, um, is that um, he he, he was a worker. He worked two, three jobs all the time. And so he never came to visit me. If I ever saw him, it was always because I went to see him. And the last, you know, seven, eight years, I was like, I'm not going to go see him if he doesn't want to come see me. Now I wish I could go and see him. I'd take time off in a heartbeat to go see him if I could. 
One of the things that I missed is spending time with him. But uh, just before he died, um, maybe about a year, year and a half before he died, I decided I would just go visit him. And I went and I sat with him. And when we were kids, teenagers, all we would do is we'd sit in the car, roll the windows down, crank the radio, and drive, man. And we just, and so that's what we did. We got up there to the house, we got in his car. We got in this truck that he loved. He rolled the windows down. We cranked up the jams and hit I-95, man. And we were just smiling and having the best time. So my memories are that. But I think how many of those rides did I miss? We called it cruising. And I thought, how many times have I missed this? Because I was like, I'm not going to go see him because he won't see me. He won't take the time to visit me, so I'm not going to go see him. Trust me. I would visit him every year if I knew I was going to lose him. If I knew I wasn't going to get... Now, I'm getting to spend eternity and we're going to do some cruising in heaven. But I would see him every year if I could. I still miss him. A song comes on the radio. I'll be crying. I'm crying to rock and roll music. That's pretty bad. He probably looks down from heaven going, you are such a punk. You know what I mean? I'm all, you know, singing, you know. He's like, dry it up, boy. But the truth of the matter is, is that you miss those conversations. He would call, and when my brother called you, you knew it was going to be an hour and a half, two hours. No question. It was going to be an hour and a half, two hours. That boy could talk all night long. If I had a dollar for a time, I said, Pat, I got to go. Pat, 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 I got to go. Pat, I got to go. Okay, one more story, bro. Tell me these stories. And you just, you missed that. Now I I would stay on the phone as long as he wanted. As long as he wanted. And so those are the things that you miss, that time. And you look and you go, man, if I would have just spent more time. Let's not have those kind of regrets. Let's make sure that we're wise with that. So what if you feel alone? That's the question that we're here for today. And the answer is you're not here by accident. I want you to know we care about you. The truth is that we love you and God cares about you and God loves you. That's why we're here. At Koa, we say we're a family. And we really are. I look around, I get reports all the time from people who are loving people and I, don't even, I didn't even know what was going on. I got a report the other day that, that uh, somebody showed up to Candace's house with a meal as soon as they heard her grandmother was not, was not doing well. They know she's a mom and she's got all those boys and she's got to feed them. And somebody just showed up at her house with a meal just because they heard. Just touched her life. Just simple. It wasn't, didn't take, and then we, so, so uh, we called the person who went there and just said, thank you. And they're like, that's what we do. We're family. You have to thank me. We, this is what we do. We're family. This is how we behave. Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And that's the truth. God saw that we were alone. And he knew it wasn't good. And so he sent his son to be Emmanuel, God with us. Good news of great joy. The Bible says that nobody comes to God unless the Holy Spirit is drawing them. Unless the Holy Spirit is drawing them. 
You are here by divine invitation today. You are. You're here because you know what we all know. We need each other. We need God and we need each other. We need a faith community. My Wednesday night, brothers, I can't wait to get back started. August, uh, the first Wednesday of August, I can't wait to be back with you. Many of you guys have been meeting without me, but I'm excited to be back with you. I miss our fellowship. I miss our time together. Those moments that we spend together uh, just, just hanging out, studying the Bible, telling story, growing in our faith. I miss that. and I can't wait till August, the first Wednesday of August, to be back. There's something about it, but there's something that I see that happens with those, pe- those brothers that I see on Wednesday. I see this kinship that happens. I see it with the people who are on ministry teams. I see it with the people who are in small groups. There's this inside joke, kind of like what happened with the fashion show, an inside joke. And, but the truth is you can get in on it whenever you want. Jesus wants to be your best friend and he wants to give you a family. That's what God said. That's why God uses the powerful words, I want to adopt you into my very own family. That's why God uses those words. Jesus wants to end your loneliness. Now, can I tell you there's not going to be a time that you won't feel alone? No, I can tell you there won't be a time you won't feel alone, but I can tell you there won't be a time you won't be alone. Because God will be with you all the time. Now, you might feel lonely, but God will be with you. And God will put you on somebody's heart to pray for you to encourage you, to be present with you. And it's not about what they do, it's about what God calls you to do. So what if they don't do this or they don't do that? Do we, pay, do we repay evil with evil? Do we repay uh, apathy with apathy? No, who cares? One of the best things I love is when I haven't seen somebody and they come back to church and I haven't seen them in a long time, I don't go, where have you been? Do you still love God? You know, usually the sentence they get is, I'm so glad to see your face. Welcome home. So glad to see your face. Not where you been. I don't care any of that. All I know is you came and you're here and it's now. Who cares about that stuff? We can talk about that later, but it's just good to see your face. It's also good to be known and to know and to be loved and to love. That's what's important. Look at what Isaiah says. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. Yes, I will uphold you with my right hand of righteousness. Listen, if you need a friend, I know a friend. And he's been my closest friend. And I did not deserve his friendship. But he didn't do it based upon me. He did it based upon him. And now he asked me to do the same for others. Not based upon how you behave. No, no, no. It's based upon how he has behaved toward us. We can love the lonely. And we're going to go to that community, that revival. And we're going to love people who have so many times felt unlovable. It takes them everything they can to walk under that tent. And we're going to go to CareFest. And we're going to go to those families. I remember one, one lady, we painted her house, and she was bedridden. She couldn't even come out to say hello. We had to talk to her through the window. Tim knows what I'm talking about. Had to talk to her through the window. Couldn't believe someone loved her enough to come paint her house. Had to take pictures to show her what it looked like. But you know what it said? We love you. 
You're here. You matter. We see you. And that's, sometimes that's all we need, right? Well, I want you to know this morning God sees you. And all I want you to do is reach up and take his hand. Would you bow your heads with me today? Father, we love you. Thank you for this day and this opportunity we have to be here. Thank you that you loved lonely people like us. Now we pray, God, you'll give us the courage to love with our touch, to love with our time, and to love by listening. And so today, God, I just pray that people will be listening to your still small voice and they would hear what you have to say and how much you love them. If you're here this morning and you say, you know what, Pastor Mike, I want to end this loneliness. I want Jesus to be my best friend. I want Jesus to be with me. I want Jesus to walk with me and talk with me. I want Jesus to be in my life more than anything. And I know I'm not perfect, but I'm being perfected. But I want, I want to be, I need him as my friend. If you're here today, would you just slip your hand up high in the air today? Anybody who says, yes, I need him as my friend. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. That takes courage. Thank you. Thank you so much. You guys may place your hands down. Everyone with the sound of my voice. We're just going to pray this prayer. Here's the coolest thing about prayer. It's simply talking to God. And I'm just going to lead you in a prayer. You can say it from your heart to God's. We just simply say, Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you that you see me. Thank you that you are God with me. And God, I ask that you would touch me, forgive me, heal me, and help me to be whole. And I promise that I'll love others the best way I know how and the way you teach me. I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I give you everything I am and everything I'm not. And God, I know I'm not going to be perfect, but I'm being perfected. And thank you for giving me a family, a family that I can love, a family who will accept me as I am and know that you are working on me. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And the church said, amen. amen. Can you give the Lord a hand clap today because he's a good God? You said that prayer. Welcome to the family. We're so excited. You